0: Hi, friends. Welcome back. My guest today is Sevan Matosian. I have been a massive fan of him for years and years. He's made umpteen award-winning documentaries. He was the guy behind so much that was great about CrossFit's media team for basically all of history, and he has recently started making a name for himself being a parent. It sounds a little bit weird making a name for yourself doing something that 90% of people do, but there is a very unique, very growth-minded, very forward-thinking approach which him and his wife have taken toward raising their children, the way that they diet, the way that they train, the way that he deals with discipline and boundaries and structure, and I just wanted to get him on to have a discussion about what it is that makes his parenting style so unique. Uh, As someone who doesn't have kids, but one day wants to, um, hearing the language of bringing up children spoken in a way that resonates with the personal development and the um, progress that I'm used to in other areas of my life, really, it, it struck a chord in a way that I haven't heard any sort of parenting advice done before. So if you are a parent or just considering coming, becoming one at some point in the not-too-distant future, I think that there is so much to take away from today, and I would love to hear your feedback. Head to the Modern Wisdom YouTube. I want to hit 100,000 subscribers before Christmas, please. Thank you. So go to the Modern Wisdom YouTube, hit subscribe, and then fire a comment. On the video let us know what you think there will be an interesting discussion down there certainly a non-typical approach to parenting children but i fail to see why this would be a bad idea so whether you think it's good bad or something else i want to know what you think modern wisdom youtube head there and tell me in the comments but for now it's time for the wise and wonderful savan matosian What do you think we're going to talk about today? We've got a lot of different avenues that we can go down. What do you reckon we're going to talk about?
1: I am a very simple man with not a lot to talk about. So you better nail it right on the button or else it's going to be a real dull podcast.
0: I disagree massively. (laughs) So, okay, first question is, how come you have made a name for yourself doing a thing that 90 percent of humans do, which is raising kids?
1: Whew. Um, I love publishing. I love creating stuff. I use social media as a cheap publishing platform. It is not something that I use to really scroll around on, um, even though they're always tempting me in the reels with those girls like doing all those fancy dances and barely clothed. Um, and I bought a computer. To, uh, I got a computer and the editing software that Apple released the day it released it. In 2000-whatever, I was living in my car. I plugged the computer into my cigarette lighter, and from that day forward, I've used Final Cut Pro, Adobe Premiere, some video, and I've been creating video for over 20 years, TV shows, movies, commercials, YouTube, Instagram. And so basically what happened is I have my three I've, – I've i I've now I know what happened. I've been preparing all these years because now I have my three favorite subjects of all time. My three sons, Um, Avi, who's six, um, Ari and Joseph, who are twins, who are three. And they are um, not only my Sistine Chapel, they're going to be my greatest work ever, but I'm going to record it because that's what I enjoy to do. And so (laughs) they do some stuff on Instagram that's got them uh, some attention. And um, and so that's how I think our, our paths have crossed. And we both CrossFit. I think we're both sort of in that ecosystem.
0: Lots of people take videos of their kids, though you know like it's every every mum that I know is so trigger happy with the camera so how come what what makes you worthy of people caring what you do with them
1: so the, in um so so one, I have twenty years of experience of creating videos, so maybe i in, in, in my in my previous life, I created more than probably in 2007, eight, nine I created. I don't know, I want to say a piece of content every single day for CrossFit Inc. And um, there was even a joke at CrossFit Inc. that it should be called sevon.com and not CrossFit.com. I think there was a day where they published my stuff 42 days in a row in 2010. And so I've had a ton of practice, right? So I know on some level how to um, intuitively, I guess, um, to present my kids in a manner that would be intriguing. But not only intriguing, educational. My point my, – my my main goal of publishing is I just want to add value to people's lives, right? So I want people to see – For 50% of it is, is I just like to create stuff. And on the other side, the other 50% is I want it to add value to their lives. And because I'm a CrossFitter and because I have this um, – Unwavering belief in the crossfit methodology, which the foundation is diet and then up from there it's movement um, And and that struggle causes adaptation. That's how I'm raising my kids I basically there's two two basic premises for how I'm raising my kids I'm using the crossfit methodology and then i'm sort of viewing using um, Taoist principles or principles of the journey to enlightenment through like maybe like a vipassana or creating space or um not stilling the mind, but um, watching myself and s- making sure that I'm making the best decisions for my kids as a human being. I know that was a lot. I was really trying to condense it there. But those are sort of the two outside things. You're seeing physically how I'm training them and the things that I'm asking them to do and show them to do and the diet that they're consuming on my platform. But then you're also – and I've only recently started sharing this. I'm sharing with people how I work through – The hard times, you know, whether it be their temper tantrums, their pressing back. And I do that through, um, really in the simplest way, Taoist principles, or just really, really staying still and sort of becoming nothing. And by nothing, I mean no thing. Not, you know, no thing. And so that they can um, resolve their own own problems. Doesn't always work out. (laughs) Did you always know that... that Did
0: did you always know that you were going to be some savant sage of experimental child rearing?
1: No, no, and I don't, I don't, um, I don't know. And I don't, I don't accept that. Like I don't think that about myself and I didn't know that. So uh, my, my wife and I were, we were married, we're, we're, been together 20 years and the whole entire time the plan was not to get married and not to have kids i had no interest in it i thought people who got married were just tools of the man just followers and i thought that there were enough kids on the planet who am i to contribute what can i contribute and then some and then we were living with some friends and they had a baby so we were in a house and now there's a baby and then my closest friend in life he had a baby and somehow that triggered my wife at 39 years old to be like hey i want a baby so we had a baby and it was just like, I mean, it was so just casual, um, and something happened. I, I, I can't like biologically, emotionally, mentally, um, there's this Taoist saying, stop thinking and all your problems will go away. And that's basically at, I'm 48 years old. Um, and so, I point my age out because my thirties were my grinding years. So I don't know how this would have turned out if I would have had a kid at thirty four because I was so, you know, I I shot movies in a hundred different countries. I mean, I was on the ball. And so now I don't want to do anything. Something just happened. I don't want to do anything but be with my kids. That's it. Like I have no like that's it. I don't, I don't. I, That's I, terrifying to hear, to man. Day. Like
0: uh, uh, <laughs> That absolutely terrifies me. And I've been talking about this a lot, especially this year, that there is an archetype for women who hit sort of 30 and then perhaps start to get a little bit more serious about settling down. But for men, I don't think that we quite have that. And we live through archetypes, right? We live through these sort of cliche grand narratives where we look up to the classic um, roles that people play in movies or in books or whatever it might be and there isn't an equivalent for the young guy who has served his time burning the candle at both ends and now really wants a family likes the idea of a family and to hear that that there is a switch somewhere inside of us that none of us knew even existed and at some point all of the other guys who are listening who have been loving being independent, sovereign agents with upward mobility and freedom to do whatever they wanted. I'm going to Dubai tomorrow because I can. What's the point in having fuck you freedom if you never say fuck you? And at some point, I can potentially have this switch turned on which completely flattens my entire worldview and makes me become at the mercy of these little miracle creatures that I've just brought into the world and the rest of my life's going to stop. That's like...
1: Beautiful and terrifying at the same time. Let me let me maybe I'll shed some light on it and what I don't know if what I'm saying is true But let's say that we go out in search of life and when we go out We're just mirrors and we're just looking for perfect reflections of ourselves, right? And so that's the struggle of life that we can't find that perfect reflection So we move from relationship to relationship and coffee shop to coffee shop and job to job and buying car to car And we're either trying to scratch something inside or outside, but we're looking for that perfect reflection Maybe I've never explored this except for just now. Maybe what happens is these guys came out and they just start reflecting me perfectly. And bam, they got me. Why do you think
0: the reflection is what we're looking for?
1: Through my personal experience of what I call watching my mind, but some people call it meditating. watching It's not just my mind, it's watching my body, all sensations. I see things arise, whether it be a scratch on my arm, or a thought that I'm hungry, or oh my toe hurts, or oh my back hurts. And they come in sensations and words and emotions. There is then a desire to move or act to alleviate or respond to that sensation, thought, whatever came out of you. So you look for an external fulfillment. You look for something externally instead of letting it pass. So you're hungry. I'm working on my computer editing a podcast. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm hungry. I turn the volume up on the podcast so I can hear it as I go to the kitchen and stuff myself with two handfuls of macadamia nuts, right? Or I could just let that pass. It, and it is going to pass. But most people, I, I, I shouldn't say this. In the past in my life, as I grew up, I wouldn't let that pass. I would itch every single. And so that's where I come up with the mirror The mirror thing. We're looking for something outside of us to alleviate the discomforts that come inside. That's why people lie and just all sorts of stuff. You're looking to alleviate discomfort. It's sort of, and that's what makes us kind of like flies. We twitch from one pile of shit to the next because we're looking to alleviate discomfort. And and, and I use the word discomfort super broad, like, you know, and so the goal would be to just um, let those things, well, Different subject, but when I'm around my kids, I'm especially focused on letting those things pass, and it's pretty easy to let those things pass because they're giving me everything I need. Did you own a dog? They're reflecting so, me perfectly. Did you own a dog before you had kids? Great question, yes. <laughs> I did own a dog. I had three Great Danes in my motorhome, and then I had this little, after that, I had this little tiny chihuahua. Okay, which was hard to raise. The Danes, it's a lot of shit. It's a lot of <laughs> just shit. Sheer volume. they. Oh man, I you. I saw like morning peas that would be like two minutes long <laughs> from my dog. It just destroying gardens and like. I mean, it's Danes Ammo- are, ammonia everywhere. Yeah, Danes are so much harder.
0: Got you. Okay, so I think that people who are considering having children really uh, couples really should. Try and raise something that's uh, similarly dependent, i.e., you know, a dog or I uh, get cats, even cats are too de- independent, right? Um, I, I definitely think that that's a nice on ramp. Did it prepare you? Did having dogs before help to prepare you for having kids?
1: I, I don't know, but I will say that the dog. Be- when I would hear people get, have kids and then they would say they neglect their dog, I would be like, I would never do that. I would never neglect my dog. I was wrong. I absolutely neglect my dog. I used to spend a lot of time with my dog. Now I spend zero time with my dog. I mean, the dog, I just open the car door and he jumps in. And then when we get home, I open it and he gets out. Like, I don't even, <laughs> you know. what? I, he's an accessory. So I, f- I feel bad for him. My wife is much kinder to him and still gives him attention. But I don't know if it made me better. But, but I buy it. I buy what you're saying. Got you. Okay, so yeah. you d- yeah. hadn't planned I mean, to... Some, ar- some, some arguments might arise, right? I mean, as superficial as it sounds, when you have a kid, like, are you going to circumcise the kid or are you not going to circumcise the kid? Are you going to send him to school or are you not going to send him to school? Is it okay that he choose gum? Is it not okay that he choose gum? I see couples fighting about that shit everywhere I go. It's It's... And so if you get a dog, maybe like you guys will argue over grain-free food or spending the extra money to get raw food and you guys can work out some of those, um, work out some of those problems, have some arguments and see how it's going to go. Well,
0: learning how to negotiate when a third party is dependent on you is very different to what most couples have until that happens, right? I want this, you want that. Maybe... My parents think that we should do this, but they're not a dependent; they're just a third party sticking their nose in and making life a bit more right. difficult. Um, but yeah, yeah I think fun. I think that the the dog things a good starting point. Okay, so you've had dogs. You say at 39 for your misses, um, which is quite late, I guess, by by normal standards now. Although more women had children under the age uh, over the age of 40 than under the age of 20 last year in the UK which is a wow. unbe- unbelievable statistic um uh, wow, that is. so you decide to have kids 39 and you were I'm
1: 48 now my oldest is 6 so I must have been 42 or 43 yeah what
0: what 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 happened there the switch the switch gets flicked on but you don't know none of this you don't know that you need to build I'm jumping ahead but you don't know that you need to build like the biggest playground made out of soft area things and learn about mindfulness for your kids and stuff like that you just have a life of lived experiences which is quite vast and and you're a mindful guy that's self-reflective and quite truthful so i think you have a strong foundation for it but obviously like you have none of the skills so do you just start reading books when you find out that your
1: wife's pregnant what what happens so we have she has so basically we start going to um birthing classes and it's it's a three hour I want to say it's a three hour class once a week for eight weeks, and we're in that class, and that was pretty incredible because it would be three I couldn't remember the last time I spent three hours of uninterrupted time with my wife. Right, we're just in the class, sitting in a chair with our arms around each other, and they have you practice doing all sorts of stuff that I wasn't comfortable doing, like whispering affirmations into her ear, and just all all this stuff, right? And and at, but at the end of every three hours, I was like stoked. It was it felt like a, like I felt closer to my wife from that. And even though – and so when we – let me go back a little bit. So when we went into that class, our plan was to go to the hospital and have the baby, right? I wanted the safest, best medical treatment possible. And then about halfway through the class, the instructor said, hey, you don't want to do a a medical birth. You don't want to do a birth in a hospital. I'm like, yeah, I do. And she goes, no, you don't. And I go, how do you know? She goes, because I listen to the way you talk. And I can tell you do not want a hospital birth. So I disregarded what the teacher said. But then finally one day when we were visiting um, what it's called an OBGYN, my wife's OBGYN, I said a couple things to her. I said, hey, are you going to be at the birth? And she snapped back at me. What, do you think I work 24 hours a day, seven days a week? And I was like, whoa, whoa, easy. And then... I asked her something else I can't remember and she pushed back and got really angry and then also told me that though that this birth is going to be a partnership and I'm like she's lying to me or she has a total different view of what a partnership is. So we started looking at um, the home birth route and we had Avi at home, a home birth just in the living room of our house. This is to answer your question. So the midwives leave and then there's this dude. It's just me and my <laughs> wife and this new dude in the house, you know, and you're pretty high. You don't sleep for like a couple of days. You're like on your sky high, like someone put cocaine in your coffee every morning. I mean, you are just out of your mind high. And fortunately, she just started breastfeeding him. And I just kind of just hung out and made sure I took care of my wife. I just faked it, I guess. I I don't know how I knew what to do, but I just faked it. Just make sure there was plenty of food for her. And she just basically sat around and breastfed them on demand for the first two or three months. Then she started getting out of the house. I know a lot of women get out of the house sooner than that, but she, she hung tight in the nest. And then you think she that's important? Bre- uh, yes, for the woman to hang tight. Yes. I think when I hear – I mean – and who the hell am I? I'm just some dude. But when I hear women already going out for walks and stuff after a week, I do not think that's smart. Why? I think that there's very few times that human beings should stay still, and that is one of the times. The woman's body has just been through a tremendous amount, and it's a time to for the woman to reflect and really, really focus on herself. And focus on her baby. And the fact that they – the the term I hear a lot is they go stir crazy, that they need to get up and move or they need to get out or they need a little cup of coffee or they need a little bit of wine or like – You know, I'm not judging those people, don't get me wrong, but I do have really strong opinions on it. I'm really glad my wife didn't drink coffee leading up to the pregnancy. I'm really glad she didn't drink wine. I'm glad she really stayed still and took care of her body. If a woman does get up too early and start moving around and be active, she'll start bleeding again. Um, It's a tremendous – it's a tremendous toll on the body, I think, to produce all of that milk. Um, You want the body to heal. Literally, when she – so she breastfed Avi for 18 months while the twins were in her growing. Then a month before the twins came out, she stopped breastfeeding. And then the twins came out, and then she stayed in the house for another three months. Imagine that. Like I bought it, my very first car I ever bought was a van. My wife and I bought a brand new van. And when I pulled it up to the house, that was the first time it was like the kids were like two and a half, three months old, the twins. That was the first time she came from the back room and, and looked outside. Oh, I got a new car. And this is my wife who's very active, who did CrossFit throughout her entire pregnancy. You know, the woman has abs. She has, she's, she's a beast. And, um, yeah, the healing, and, and maybe she's also, uh, the twins came when she was 42 Right, and we had those at home also, which is illegal in the state of California. And why is um, that? Isn't that amazing? Because women, I guess, aren't allowed to do what they want in the United United States of America. Is it the fact it was twins?
0: Yeah. So you can't. You can have one, but you can't have two. Yeah. Can you have three? I I don't know. Oh, so I so it's two. It's tell anything you know, over one. So one one and a half. They're they're also.
1: It's a very fair question. I'm go- I can only make the assumption that 3 is also illegal. Wow. So you've got illicit your your children were brought into this
0: world smuggled into this world under the cover of of
1: darkness. And and, and, when you, and when you have kids at home, they don't get – like when you have them in the hospital, I can't – I don't know exactly how it happens, but I think they, they get a social security number and they get their name stamped in stone in the heavens and they become official Americans, right? When you have them at home, that doesn't happen. So you have to take them to some office. And it, it's a uh, – at least in the city of Berkeley, California, it was a pretty low-rent, vile endeavor. Um, just the lines you had to stand in and the places you had to go With one and,
0: or two newborn children
1: yeah yeah well i it's know um, uh, i'm on
0: mike Kazu's podcast next week and obviously him and adi just had their little one earlier this year and um i know that mike has him and adi classic like growth mindset people who are used to consuming a lot of content in any case they just read everything under the sun about birth and babies and and Raising babies and they were I was talking to him earlier this year and he was adamant about a home birth Absolutely adamant about it. Uh, And he had this big laundry list of reasons as to why he had so that's Two for two on people that I respect with regards to child rearing Saying that that is a, a, a route that they took
1: the second the baby came out I knew exactly why we did a home birth because I could not imagine moving my wife and that baby at all. I couldn't imagine there being tubes in them. I couldn't imagine someone pricking their feet. I couldn't imagine putting that precious baby in a baby seat and then putting it into a car. I couldn't imagine – like we were in our nest. It's literally like that. You have the baby and you're – in your nest. Now, I don't want to upset anyone. If you had the baby in the hospital and you had a great experience, kudos to you. I'm not suggesting this. I'm telling you my experience. I could not imagine leaving. I couldn't imagine letting anyone want to touch my baby. I mean, I was just, um, it was perfect. I knew right away, wow, we're in the nest. It would be crazy to take the baby out of the nest. It's just like you're not supposed to take a baby bird out of the nest, right? Yeah. Okay. So we've
0: we've got ourselves to the birth now, but you still yeah. other than these 3 hour sessions where you whisper nice things to your wife and hug her i'm still not hearing you assimilating some amount of information which permits you to do progressive things as a parent where where when does this start other than other than taking time away from the
1: dog um so when they – so because we CrossFit and because I know struggle causes adaptation, I knew right away that tummy time was important, even though people told me not to put the baby on the tummy. I started putting the baby on its tummy, and the baby would scream and cry, and that would – that was really hard because you intuitively just want to go over and grab the baby. So I started setting a timer for like 30 seconds, and I would be like, hey, man, it's only 30 seconds, and I put the baby on its tummy for 30 seconds. Excuse me. And then I'd get, pick it up. Then I do it to a minute. Then I do it to three minutes. Then I start noticing the baby's comfortable on its stomach. Then it, I, I, th- I think I posted a video where Avi was two weeks old and he and he rolled over. That's pretty unheard of for a baby, right? Then I would also see people who never put their babies down and their babies didn't crawl. Now, I know that's anecdotal. I don't have any proof of that. But everything today but is I anecdotal, isn't many, it? So it doesn't matter. every, everything, every time I saw someone not put their baby down and it's hard putting your baby down, man. Here's something you'll love, Chris. This is going to be you when you're a dad. I never used a carrier and I hated to use the stroller unless the baby was sleeping. So I would carry the baby everywhere because there, I figured either I need to be getting strong or the baby needs to be getting strong. So when I got tired of holding the baby, I would just set it on the ground coffee shop floor, set them on the ground, you know, and then just, and then just stand over them, just ready to just destroy anything that gets near them, you know, all foot, five foot, 550 pounds of me. And, um, that, and, and so I knew right away that, um, you should, you should, you should cause a little, you should cause controlled struggle in the baby's life. You should give him, and, and I've seen babies in a hundred different countries, how they're raised. I spent a lot of time in Africa. I've probably made 10 trips to Africa and spent, I don't know, four or five, six months of my life there throughout all those trips. Uh, those men who I I've seen in Africa in like, in, in the really rural parts of Africa are made of fucking steel and are strong as, I mean, they're freaks of nature and their lives are hard. Like I saw, I, saw, I saw, you know, one-year-old babies just sit- sitting or standing around in the fields while the moms were, you know, trying to get water or, or hoe the fields. I'm going to close this window so the dog doesn't bark. Cool. Excuse me. So, so I knew. I knew early on. I, I have to give Greg Glassman's CrossFit methodology, like, probably, you know. In I 100% credit, but now that I'm my own, man, it's all me. <laughs> but I'm going to have to give, yeah, it's like it's, it's that CrossFit L1, man. I, I can't stop talking about it. It's um, it's where I learned about how human beings operate. It's the operating manual for the human, human genome. If you want to know how to best operate or treat a human being, then you have to take that L1. And I'll even go as far as to say that if you have kids and you don't take the L1, I think that you're – um, borderline being neglecting your duties what is the L1 what's the elevator pitch that, that's just so sorry so the L1 it's basically it's a two day course CrossFit offers it um, Nicole Carroll runs the program it used to be Nicole and Dave, Carol and Dave Castro it's basically all of Greg Glassman's teachings and the modifications Nicole and Dave and the amazing um, seminar staff have made to it over the years and it basically teaches you um, how to eat and how to move and there's nothing there. Uh, I think these are Greg's words that Greg invented. These are just movements that um, God created, like like sitting on it, like squatting down and taking a dump and being able to wipe your own butt. And if you take it to the extreme, you end up with someone like Matt Fraser. And if you use it to raise a baby, you'll end up like with Avi, Joseph, and Ari, my three sons. Got you. And basically constantly varied, always changing movements that are natural, you know, like squatting. Um and uh, as you become better at them, ratchet up the intensity. Make it harder. And when the body's put in discomfort, that sucker adapts, right? I also, and on the psychological side, I never – my parents didn't push me. They did not push me. And when they did push me, they didn't follow through. And I have great parents. My parents are awesome and super supportive. But I know that I had crazy capacity as a kid. And I spent most of it riding my bike around the neighborhood, throwing rocks and chasing girls. And I just feel like um, I wish I danced better and I wish I could kick ass better. So those are a couple of the things I'm making sure my boy can do. He takes ballet. He just started tap. And um, he takes martial arts, you know. Started at three days a week when he was four. And my twin's at three. And now they're at five and six days a week. So, um, So the principle that you said there's two
0: key underlying principles one of them being progressive overload essentially um that you get them to do a thing and then over time you increase the exposure to that thing you also allow for variation in that and the second one was i guess what Corey allen would call the mindfulness gap observing their mind allowing them to to notice their emotions and let it pass and the same for yourself is that is that that's the the sort of two foundational principles
1: yeah yeah are we done? Yeah, that's it. Game <laughs> over. Thank you. See you next time. Um, so, so we, we, let, me, we, let me give you these two. I wrote this down. Just, just in case you – structure, discipline, follow through, love, and boundaries. Those are – I wrote those down. Those are like five five principles I talk about a lot. And then you can't let your kids hold you hostage. You can dig into any of those. Um, but yes – those first two things that you say basically put them through a uh, uh, controlled struggle since life is pretty easy here in the United States and then yes be, you have to make space so that um, when you put them on their tummy is that dog barking too loud uh it might be best if you
0: can knock it off and I'll, uh, I'll just pause this for a second
1: I've made up a lot of reasons to take a break on podcasts but it's always because I have to go to the bathroom this is I think the first honest you've actually done a, honest done break. a, done a proper break okay so um
0: Yes. Got to make space. Uh, Let's, let's go through your five principles that you've written down
1: there. Then let's just go from the top. Okay. So they, they want to please you and they want to be safe. Kids want to please their parents and they want to be safe. And so you have to figure out how you're going to do that. What are you going to have them do, you know, to get your attention and how are you going to make it safe? And um, I, did, I, I don't know. To go back to your previous question, I don't know how – I don't remember how I know that. But I just maybe, – maybe I observed it or maybe someone told me. I wish I could give someone credit for it. But I know that. I know he really, really, really wants to please me. And I know that he really, really wants to – he flourishes when he's safe. How do you make it safe? You have to have crazy boundaries for your kid, and the boundaries you set they don't even need to be they don't even need to be legitimate boundaries by legitimate I mean you don't even have to justify them. so let me tell you one of the boundaries I have. My kid is never to touch my cell phone ever ever ever, ever, ever. It's easy. You just don't touch my cell phone. I don't let you watch movies on my cell phone. you don't watch cartoons on my cell phone. you don't hold my cell phone that's my cell phone It's a boundary. And I follow through by never, ever, ever breaking it. Now, what's my kid know about me? You you would think from the outside that they're learning, hey, they're not getting your cell phone, right? That they're learning so much more than that. They're seeing that I'm in control. When they see that I'm in control, guess what they get? Freedom. So much freedom. I'm in control. I'm sitting at the top of the hill as the big lion, looking out over the savannah, And they can play freely because I'm in control. And how do they know I have control? Because I have boundaries. There's no toys allowed in this room behind me. There's no exceptions. There's no, I'm sick. There's no, oh, this is a stuffed animal. This room doesn't have toys. Kids can only come in here with the clothes on their back. (laughs) So another boundary. Do they try to break the boundaries? Yes. You have to enforce them. You have to follow through and all of those within each of those. So there's boundaries. I have to follow through. I can't be three kombuchas deep and be like, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You can come in. I'm drunk tonight. No, that you, it, that's, you're not doing your job. Hey, that's not how I'm painting my Sistine Chapel, Chris, right? I'm doing my Sistine Chapel. I, when I'm mixing my paints, I don't get lazy. I'm not painting when I'm drunk. Um, You know, the days of popping an oxycontin and drinking two beers and watching a movie with my wife—those I don't do that. You know, that—that's 33. That's not 48 with three kids. Do you find it? Do
0: you find it easier to be disciplined with your children than with yourself?
1: You're asking me at a really, really weird time because I'm so hyper-disciplined with myself right now. I'm so disciplined with myself right now. And by that, I mean I, 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 I'm not drinking. I haven't had any refined—because of COVID, I, I believe that you're completely inoculated from COVID if you don't eat any refined carbohydrates or sugars. And so, like, I've made myself bomb-proof. You know what I mean? I, I have not—the the only carbohydrates I have are leafy greens um, and, and meat. That's all I eat. And um, so— You know what I mean. I'm on. I'm in ketosis. (laughs) So it seems to me.
0: It seems to me that what you're talking about here doesn't just require discipline. It's discipline being taught to your children, but the starting point, the inertia that you need to get over in the first place is yourself as a parent. That if you are Uh, undisciplined, uh, if you are undisciplined as a parent, there is no hard boundary for the child's discipline to come up against. You mentioned there. you, you You can create boundaries, but inevitably those boundaries are going to be subject to your own desire to be disciplined so for instance, one night, parent X is feeling a little bit down and really wants the comfort of cuddles off her his or her child, so let them come into the living room with their toys and their blanket because of this thing that requires discipline first. the foundation of the discipline is is built upon the parent and then broadcast to the child
1: yeah you, you know why I'm having trouble I think what you're saying is true and why I'm having trouble understanding it and to give another ex- explanation is I don't have to worry about giving my kid Oreos because I would never allow Oreos in my house in the first place and that that's actually not true I've had guests who bring their kids over to my house and their guests don't like the shitty desserts my wife makes without sugar in them so they bring their own desserts <laughs> and they their kids eat Oreos in front of my kids <laughs> now listen that doesn't mean you're not flexible i have an absolutely no tv time or screen time when the sun is out and tv is only for friday nights and saturday nights
0: for the and kids or yet, for yourself
1: for the kids but I, 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 yeah for the kids and i don't watch t i only watch the ufc um on saturday nights but um but but I but I have but but you do have to be flexible. And what do I mean by that? There there there's um a handful of times I've had a kid who's really really sick, you know, just like a fever and just shitty. And I've let him watch TV. Um, when I take my kids to jujitsu and it's a two it's a two hour window. The kids class goes first, and then the older kids class goes. In that two hour window, I'll let the kids who are waiting watch a little bit of iPad. Not the whole hour. I'll tell them, hey, watch your brother. Um, compete for a little while, or wrestle, or practice for a while, and then halfway through, you can watch the iPad. So I'm, I don't want to sound like there's not a place for it. There are things that there aren't a place for. Chewing gum. You should never give your kid chewing gum. Why? You're being a bad. You're being a bad parent. There's no point to it. You're only hurting your kid. Why are you giving a six-year-old chewing gum? What? Is that very common? Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy, 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 buddy. So common. I see kids chewing gum all the time. I see kids at jujitsu, and the instructor has to tell them, spit the gum out. Now, here, I'm going to tell you why parents give their kids chewing gum. This is not probably, this would have never resonated with me before I had kids, but there's something called the hostage situation. Parents are always 100% of their waking hours, and even in their sleeping hours, probably preparing for the hostage situation and waiting for impact. And what that means is you ask me, Chris, can I have some gum, Heideg? Heideg means dad in Armenian. And I say, and I want to say no. I know it's the right answer, but I'm in line at Starbucks and I'm next. And if I say no, you might have a temper tantrum and I might not get my coffee because I have to carry you outside. And then I say, yes, you can have a piece of gum. It's where all the bad decisions are made in the hostage situation and it's crazy there's hostage situations everywhere every time your kid opens his mouth you're in a hostage situation and they they're constantly asking for stuff but you have to follow through and you have to have these boundaries if you don't every time you give in you will be doing two things you'll be shitting on your sistine chapel meaning hurting your kid and you'll be weakening your position for the next time but you'll also be making your kid feel unsafe if there's no win there's no win. That was the sixth uh,
0: principle, right? You had your five and then kind of was the,
1: the hostage. Don't let yourself be held hostage was number six. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess I am flopping around. What did you say? You're not no, going to come on my podcast and flop <laughs> around. And... <laughs> that's what I'm here for. I'm
0: here to flip flop around. Um, number one. What was number one?
1: Um, they're stru- Kids need structure.
0: Yep. Daily
1: routine. Yes, and even even I apply. I do structure even through their clothing, so I just I make life so easy for my kids. My kids wear the same thing every single day, basically. They have a, they have these these pants that they wear, and they have a, a what we call a wife beater in the United States. It's like a, a just a white tank top, and I know it could use a better name, right? And then and then sweaters. They have a long sleeve sweater and a short sleeve sweater, and they can depending on how cold or hot it is, they can layer up or layer down. And then the shoes are always in their car because there's no need for shoes at home. Why would you have shoes at home? Well, you got to walk to the barefoot. car. Yeah, you just go barefoot. <laughs> That's the advantage. That is coming <laughs> and, uh, from a man who lives in very temperate climate. True, true. Um, then the second thing after structure is discipline. And not discipline in the fact that they need discipline like, uh, I guess it's a cousin of structure, not discipline like, hey, they need spankings. But they just need to have things that are organized. They need to understand that okay, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to do this at three o'clock, no question asked. I know it sounds like structure, but it's also discipline because they're kids and they're not going to want to do it. So they have to they have to start building habits of discipline. uh, love and attention. That one I don't. Man, so I had really loving parents and my parents couldn't keep their hands off me and my uncles and aunts couldn't keep their hands off me. I was always on someone's shoulder. Someone always had their hand up the back of my shirt. Someone was always pinching my cheeks. Someone was always holding me upside down. I mean, I I I don't know how um I don't I don't know, I don't know that one's so innate in me. I don't know how you would teach that. I don't know how you would you would work on that other than maybe to just love yourself more. But you can see
0: love and attention. Attention requires time. And if you have someone who hasn't perhaps turned the corner that you and your wife have. And another thing to consider is that because you guys are further through your careers and have lived more life, perhaps some of the open loops. Oh, I would have unfulfilled dream X. I would have this particular dream Y. Um, those things are now closed. Also, by the sounds of things, chasing materialistic goals for you is quite low down the list of priorities, especially in comparison to your kids now. And with that being a fact as well, like... There's no reason to go to work. You know, you've got the, the classic CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you know, working and the, the, the matron or the au pair or whoever they've got comes around and looks after the kids. And then he gives it a tap on the head at night and then goes to bed and wakes up three hours later and goes back to the office or flies off to Japan to do a deal, whatever it might be. Like, that's a way that would very quickly get in the way of attention, right? You can't give love and attention if you're not there, if you're not present. Mm. And presence is both physical presence and then mental presence. Let's say that you do decide to take the one week off with the family, but big dick exec CEO man, his thoughts, his brain's still in the office. He's still thinking about the emails he needs to reply to when he's supposed to be watching his kids jump in the pool.
1: Right. You nailed it. At at the most basic level, you have to be there physically. Hey, you just brought up number six. I I might write a book after this podcast. You should do. numbers. Number six, relationship. My relationship. Did you just with go from wife. number Sorry. three to number six? I did. Bear with me here. You are a number you are six.
0: Terrible.
1: <laughs> number six, the relationship. My relationship with my wife is vital because of, on the most basic level, every child wants. One, every I can say this about every single child. Every child wants a mom and dad that love each other. They just want that. I wanted it. You wanted it. Everyone wanted it. My parents divorced. It's okay. It's fine. But but you don't get everything you want in life, but I wanted it. I it doesn't mean my wife and I don't fight in front of our kids. We've definitely fought in front of our kids. And do you um, make a do you, always, make, do you make a point of trying not to do that? Uh yeah. Absolutely. It, before we had kids, I w- I was much more aggressive in getting the last word. Now from the second the start fights, I'm trying to shut the fuck up. I'll take her in the back room and 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 we can fucking fight it out there, but I try to just shut the fuck up. I do not want to see my kids ever be rude to my wife, and they have but
0: so sorry you just will. just to just to interject there what you're suggesting is that your kids will mirror the way that you operate, and if they see you being rude to their mum, they may also enact that behavior. Is that the concern you have?
1: yeah. All of those things. And I never want to see my kids lose. I don't like want my kids to see me lose control. Losing control is the worst way to handle a situation 99% of the time. And so I don't want them to see me lose control. My wife and I need to fight. Not a lot, but we need to fight. We, we got some, you know, we just need to fight sometimes. And um, And maybe someday we won't need to, but like before we had kids, almost all of our reasons for fighting were gone. We almost never fought. Then we have kids and now there's some more reasons <laughs> to fight again. But I don't want them to see me lose control. You're right, and I do. You nailed it. I do see them mirror my behavior. I see them when they when they fight with each other, which is very rare. They um, physically they fight nonstop, but I mean like uh, intellectually and emotionally they don't fight. And when they do, they they it's it's my wife and I. They take turns playing us. They don't. I don't think they know it. But yeah, totally. You nailed it. Um, but I always I try not to fight in front of my kids, but I'm not perfect. But where I am perfect, in which everyone can be perfect, is I always make up with my wife in front of my kids. Even if I'm not fucking ready, I will fake that shit and make it fake it till I make it. I want my kids to see that it's okay to be humble and that happiness and peace are so much better than fighting and that it's okay to apologize and get over the hump and we can circle back around and finish the fight later or talk later. But I, I, and it makes them feel secure and it gives them, you know, it offers a lot to the household, but I always want to make up because if I don't, then it's about me, but it's not about me. It's about them. It's about like, have your kids made you a better husband? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. How? hundred percent better. Um, I am. I'm already a loyal person. I'm a very loyal person. Um, I can take a lot of abuse from once I'm locked in with someone, I can take a lot of abuse and still be loyal. But I'm even more fiercely loyal to her, um, support her in her endeavors because she's painting her Sistine Chapel, too. Right. We're working on the same canvas. And so I want to give her I'm, I don't want to do anything to disturb her while she's painting right i don't want to do any ripples that will cause her to be a lesser mom than she needs to be and so i get that i get that and that makes sense but that to me
0: appears to have the the locus of love be the children rather than each other now i appreciate that you guys are still a team but how many couples do we see that have kids and the stress of having the kids doesn't bind them together but it pushes them apart and you have Couples who've been together and then Johnny's two years old or Alice is one and a half years old, and the relationship breaks down so I'm trying to I'm trying to delve into the relationship between you and her not
1: in service of the kids You know so we that's a good question, and maybe I've lost sight of that. I need to think about that, but we were together for so long, so we met as college kids, right? And we partied in the same circle, and I courted her for five years, and I knew her boyfriend, and she knew my girlfriend. And um, then we got together, and then we were together for 15 years, and we traveled the world together for work, and then we worked together. And you know what's interesting, Chris? I, I, I forgot about this, but I was I – was, living in, in a pickup truck and I was sitting in the back of a pickup truck in Isla Vista, California. It's a beach town, college town. And I was laying there just with my shorts on and shirt off, just waiting for it to warm up so I could go to the beach. And I was reading the Tao Te Ching and I see her walking down the street towards me. And I'm like, oh man, I'm going to talk to this chick and you know, see if she'll come to the beach with me. I mean, that's the kind of town it was, right? And I had seen her around before. So I jump out of the back of my truck. She's like, what are you reading? What are you reading? And we start talking. And she's also into Lao Tzu and the Dao Te Ching. And from that moment, and we've talked extensively about it over the 20 years, and we talk about it regularly, we knew that we were both personally responsible for our happiness. And when you're in a relationship with someone like that, Eventually, at the end of the day, you can throw all of your fights and problems kind of into that light and it will shed a ton of light on it because each person is like personally responsible. The blame game really goes away. And so I'd say like 95% of the problems go away. So it, just qu- quickly off the top of my head, I, I, I believe that's the foundation of our relationship and I believe that's why we've um, done so well. Um, of course, who knows what will happen maybe in 15 years or 20 years when the kids move out, (laughs) we'll get a divorce. That's a whole, that's a whole (laughs) nother boundary for people to get over, man. That really is. Like, I hear, I hear you. I just can't even imagine that my brain, my brain, as you asked me that my brain's just like, there's no fucking way. Like, like, like you, it's also this. Um, have you ever had a friend who you played a sport with and like you guys are best friends and you do it seven days a week, you just, every single day you're doing it, you're doing it. And then one of you drifts off and doesn't do that sport anymore. And so your friendship just takes its natural progression and it just, it just wanes. It's not, you're, they're still best friends, but now you only see them once a year instead of with them 12 hours a day. So I don't know what the glue is, but something's kept us together. Um, whether it be life, um, these kids, but, um, right now we're closer than ever. I mean, we just, we just, we just work these kids. That's awesome, man. Okay. So we've yeah. got one, two, and three done. Structure, structure discipline, follow through, follow through. And, 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 we sort of touched on the follow through too, cause that's part of sort of number, oh man, maybe there's seven, <laughs> um, follow, follow through is, If you say something, you have to do it. And I I, I screwed this up in the beginning a lot because I would lay down disciplines that I wasn't really willing to follow through with. So if your kid – if Friday is movie night and Friday morning your kid does something to piss you off, don't say, hey, if you do that one more time, I'm not going to give you movie night. Because that's a long fucking ten hours for your kid to work on you and change your mind. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So. He throws something at the at the breakfast table. You tell him not to. If he does it again, you're going to take away movie night. He throws it again, and you take away movie night. Um, now you have ten hours. And another thing, my wife taught me. So my wife taught me that hey, make sure that you're able to follow through. Um, the other thing is the follow through ideally, and should be connected to the 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 consequence should be ideally connected to the crime. So. You're Not necessarily you take away movie night, but then you, maybe it's more like, okay, that's the second time you've thrown it. You're dismissed from the table. You can eat again at lunch. I don't know. And you just make them stop eating breakfast or something like that. But you have, once you make threats, you better follow through. If you don't, there is no homeostasis. It's not like, okay, that's a wash. You're either getting making better kids and being a better parent or you're making worse kids and being a worse parent. There's no like, okay, we're just happily in the middle. It's never, ever, ever like that. And so um, the, the follow through is key because if you don't, you're going, the, you're, you're going the opposite direction. You're making worse kids. And so you have to be really careful what comes out of your mouth. And that includes like, hey, I'm gonna, tonight when I come home from work, I'm going to make Legos with you for 30 minutes. You got to do it. You got to do it. You want there to be, and, and then all of those other things will get bolstered too. You're showing structure. You're showing your discipline. You're showing your boundaries. It's all of that. If you can't do it, if your kid asks you, "Hey, will you make Legos with me tonight?" but you're afraid to say no because you know he's going to scream, and you, so you say yes anyway, and then don't do it. You're screwing up two of the two of the, my premises. You've now been held in a hostage situation, and now you're not doing follow through. How so, can how can parents say no more productively? Don't don't lie to your kid. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't 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 fool around in the long run. All of that stuff will just bite you in the ass. If you can't if you can't tell the truth, don't say anything. Take a few deep breaths. You know, let's say your kids in the back seat and you're driving them home from class and they say, Mommy, can I stop at McDonald's? And, you know, when you say no, they're going to start screaming in the back and you don't want to hear it. Fine, take a few deep breaths and then say no, embrace yourself. You'd be surprised how often they don't scream once they respect you that your no means no. I would say 95% of the times kids scream for more than 20 seconds, it's because they know that there's a crack in the dam. They know that you might give in. Once you're consistent with no's and you give it to the kids straight every time, You you'll see that go away. You'll really really see that go away. I mean, literally, people are blown away the fact that I can just walk right by an ice cream shop while kids outside eating, and my kids won't. You know, at most maybe one out of ten times they'll say, "Can we have an ice cream?" I go, "No, we don't need ice cream here." You know that, and that's it. That's it. One of the things that was playing through my mind as you talked about your idea. Uh, Sorry, 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 sorry to answer your question. It's never easy saying no. Okay, sorry. I imagine,
0: I imagine that um, the pulling on the heartstrings, like especially, I'm like quite an emotional person naturally and quite empathetic. Uh, you know, I I fear the the size of love that I'm going to have for whatever humans that I do bring into this world, uh, and I imagine that it is quite hard to say no on a number of levels. That you want your kid to be happy, you want your kid to love you. All of the self-esteem issues that you've got about wanting to be liked and wanting to be loved by your kid will also still be in there as well because of how you were treated at school or how you were treated by your parents. And then you don't want to deal with the headache of them screaming and you don't want the public outcry when people look at you as that parent with that screaming child and stuff. So I imagine that saying no is is a challenge, especially if you can't say no to yourself. If you're the person that says, I'm going to quit drinking once every six months and never follows through with it. I put this in my newsletter not long ago that having faith in your own word is one of the most important things that you can do. You need to treat yourself like somebody you are responsible for helping. It's a Jordan Petersonism. And if you don't have trust that what you say you're going to do, after a while, just like the friend that keeps on never showing up when you invite them for coffee, you're just not going to invite them anymore. Or maybe you're even going to hate them. So you very much need to treat yourself like a friend. And if you are going to bring kids into this world, you really need to sort your own shit first. If you don't have self-discipline, if you don't have structure, if you don't have a growth mindset, if you're not able to let things pass, like all that you're going to do is further ingrain that into your children. And I think we very much need to see the um how do you say the heritage, the the genealogy of your habits, your routines being taken into your children. And this is what was making me think when you're talking about the set of scales about you're either becoming a better parent or you're becoming a worse parent. And that goes along with better kids or worse kids. Um, there's a quote from Ethan Soupley, the guy from Remember the Titans and Wolf of Wall Street, huge, huge like massive 500-pound guy who's now 230 and jacked, at like 8% body fat, he came on the show and he had a martial arts instructor who used the the saying, no bad reps. And what no bad reps means is that you're always drilling something. Every action that you do, and this relates to neurologically how we lay down myelin in sheets in our brain, you are always creating a habit. You, you don't have the choice of not creating a habit. It's a decision between one particular habit and another type of habit. There is no no habit. There is only this, that, or the other habit. And very much so with the kids, it, 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 very, it harks to hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. And there isn't a okay choice, okay life. There isn't, there isn't one of those. It's always going to be a decision between what's right and what necessarily isn't.
1: Perfect. Perfectly said. Going back to that very first thought about you're going to want – it's going to be hard to say no because you want them to love you. And that is the – that is the at the end of the day, the equation that will get you the most love <laughs> is to have really, really strong boundaries with your kids. Really, really strong boundaries. See, that well, seems counterintuitive. I'll tell you why. The, cl- the the more boundaries they are, the safer they'll f- they will feel. The safer they feel, the closer they'll come to you. And so, I I want to like so 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 and boundaries are very boundaries are very simple. Um, so so let me let me show you the balance. I have this room behind me that I tell you kids are not allowed in with toys. I have another room that's just their room, and it's a free-for-all, the toys in the world. So there's balance there. But once you start setting boundaries with your kid and they start respecting you, they, which should be just right away, and your only metric will be to compare them to other kids, unfortunately, you'll see that your kids are so much better behaved. They're so much more willing to listen to you. They're so much more willing to talk to you and be open to you. They're just going to feel safe. If you just say yes to everything – They're just, it, you're, you're going to have spin outs. You're not, but, but it's going to be worse than that. I, God, I, I haven't thought about this in a long time. I used to really think about this a lot when I was really getting comfortable because it is, it is something you have to get comfortable with to build boundaries for your kids. What will happen is if you don't build boundaries for your kids, is you'll end up having kids that nobody likes. So let me give you an example. You're on your phone talking, you and I are talking, and um, you have a kid. Let's say, Chris, you have a son, and he keeps asking you questions about our conversation, and you keep answering them, telling him what we're talking about instead of hey chris junior i'm on the phone you need to go step away and give me space that's what you have to say it's your time with your friend sevon we're talking if you don't do that now you're teaching a kid hey it's okay and, and i don't know if you have friends who have kids but this is a big problem with kids the the kids are just allowed to interrupt they have no boundaries Their parents let them hold their cell phones. They let them talk to them when they're on the phone. They interject in conversations. If they want to be a part of mine and your conversation and be adults, then they have to act like adults. Hey, Chris is talking. Wait till he's done. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? I've heard you do this. We've been on the phone and I've heard you do
0: this. You know, your kids have been at this. We continue to have conversations while you're at the skate park. And inevitably, skate park, children, floor (laughs) like it's you know you don't need to be a genius to work out what's going to go on there and you can hear in the background (laughs) (laughs) i'm like well i'm thinking on the phone i'm thinking on the phone do you need to go like and i'm waiting to hear in your voice the um the anxiety the anticipation i'm waiting to hear the the discomfort arise and it doesn't and i don't know whether you're walking over to him or he's coming over to you or whatever it might be but what a couple of times you said hey sweetie i'm on the phone so you can come here and lick your wounds but if you do i need you to be quiet okay that was it and it took 15 seconds for whichever of the three children that was to be just sniffly
1: that like, i could barely hear him that's just sloppy parenting on my part um taking him to the skate park and scheduling a phone call with the multitasking multitasking okay <laughs> uh it's funny I, I i hear parents say that all the time about how you should multitask and um i have a few friends that when they call me like i'll always answer even if i'm like fucking you know neck deep and shit but uh yeah, it's um you you if you if you have boundaries, your kids will love you more. The more you say no to them, the more they'll love you. I know that's a little gross exaggeration and not a perfect equation, but your kids have to feel safe around you. And and they're they are going to look back when they're older and they're going to see all the things that you did to them that didn't help them. They're going to say like I never let my parents live it down. Oh my God, you took me to McDonald's three days a week. I can't believe it. And I was seven years old, and you let me order the twenty piece with seven hot mustards. What was wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, um, it doesn't mean your kids don't get free time. It doesn't mean that they don't get to rage. There just have to be certain boundaries, and they have to be logical boundaries. And uh, and you'd be you'd be surprised. Um, if you're a short-term gra- if you're a quick short-term gratification guy yeah then saying no is going to be hard but i can tell by looking at your physique and your dedication to this podcast and your business that like you're not a short-term gratification guy it's going to come very very naturally for you i you know that i, I, I in, hope that it
0: I, I hope that it will but i also know i see firsthand we're all our worst critics right so we all see our own sort of failings up close and personal uh, and on right. top of that i also know even as what I would consider hopelessly undisciplined, I'm still wildly more disciplined than most of the people that I know. Um, which, right. you know, it's that that old saying where they say, think about how stupid the average person is and realize that half, pe- half of the people are more stupid than that. Um, if you think right. about how undisciplined the wow. average person wow. is and then realize that 50% of people are less disciplined than that person, like that's quite scary. Um, and again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier on about the heritage that your children are going to get is very much a microcosm of what you are. We see this even in businesses, you know? You see coming out of the CrossFit world. Like, think about the internal company culture that you get with an owner like Greg Glassman and a games director like Dave Castro. You see that. You see that. Even if people perhaps didn't want that to be the way that they acted forward. We, um, my core industry of club promo, I could stand on the on a street corner and look at the different PRs that are going, hey guys, where are you going tonight? Do you want to come to our nightclub? Uh, putting wristbands on people. I could stand on a street corner and without seeing the badge that they have that tells us our, their company, I could identify by their mannerisms and by what they're wearing, that guy works for that company, that guy works for that company, That guy, because they're just little projections of the guys that own it at the top. Everybody knows this. right? You know? And Right. This is the same in family life as it is in business life as it is in everything
1: else right right um you you want people to like your kids you want people to like your club set your set 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 the culture up in your business so that people like your business and set your culture up at your home with your kids so people like your kids people love kids with boundaries and 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 at the end of the day The harsh reality of life at the end of the day is hard work and who you know and who likes you so those of you who are in high school who are listening to this and you're like oh i can't wait to get out of high school and the popularity contest is over i have really bad news for you (laughs) it's never (laughs) over so
0: that's another jordan petersonism uh never let your kids do anything that makes you hate them uh and that that very much so is the case i think sadly i think i was a very easily unlikable kid uh, i was an only child wasn't massively socialized uh, and it meant that i i didn't really properly understand the boundaries of sort of social cohesion and and how to really act and and, and play with the other kids just time and attention and i hadn't had a lot of time knowing how to do it um and yeah i, I totally totally get that as well thinking about some friends who are just starting now as teacher trainers year 3 so 7 and 8 year olds um and in the class the kids who are the nicest ones that have the boundaries that are the best behaved they'll gravitate toward them because they'll want to spend time with them because they're cute and they say miss miss can i do this thing you're you smell nice or you're this and they'll want to laugh and have an interaction and it very much is a winner takes all environment you know we talk about how um financial privilege permits people to be in a better position than others but we never really talk about personality privilege about the fact that being innately likable which is drawn from being extroverted slightly rather than introverted the kid who's over the far side doing weird things i probably was like naturally doesn't get as much of your attention firstly because they're out of sight and out of mind and secondly because if you do go over and spend time with them they're maybe a little bit. You, you just don't get what, what's going on with them so much. So that really is a different form of privilege that I've never thought about until now. But personality privilege absolutely is a thing. And the more that you have these boundaries, the more that you can make your kids likable to other people. You know, if you understand how compounding works, if you can be likable by the age of six, as opposed to by the age of 26, which is like around about when it took me to do it, um, you are going to be so much further ahead. Because the jiu-jitsu teacher is going to be fine letting you stay an extra 10 minutes because he thinks that you're cool. Or the dance teacher doesn't mind about you turning up without your shoes when everyone else has to do this thing because she knows that you're well-behaved and you wouldn't have left your shoes if you didn't really mean it to be that way. Or whatever it might be. So yeah, I'm I'm massively on board with regards to the, the make your kids likeable.
1: Yeah, at four years old, if your kid can say thank you and please, they're leaps and bounds ahead of the other kids, and they will reap the rewards for that in life. They'll reap the rewards for it right away. The kid who says thank you to their teacher when they hand out snacks will get the snack first the next day. All of that being said, some of the greatest people we know had the most abusive, jacked up upbringings ever and that kind of circles me back around to struggle causes adaptation and so since my kids don't have any of bad shit happening in their life i have to create it for them yes absolutely you know, i have to pour a bu- i have to pour a cold bucket of water on them at three in the morning just to remind no no i'm joking like david <laughs> but david i do have to <laughs> i do have to uh we do have to create that struggle for them a a, a, a close friend of mine um Or who was a close friend of mine? I haven't talked to him in a long time, but Russell Berger, he gave a long, he gave like a 30 minute speech on the importance of putting your kids through struggle. And it was fascinating. I wonder if I can, I wonder if it was recorded, but he nailed it. And that was before I had kids. Maybe that had a huge impact on me. I totally get what you mean there as well that the amount of comfort
0: um, that your children have, let's say that you, do make your kids quite likable and uh, an all right amount of extroverted, the amount that they need to get them over the social sort of line, which everybody has to play the social game. We are a social species as much as some of us may not want to be. Um, And let's say that you do do all of those things. Without the struggle, I think that your kids would be regressing to the mean. And what I mean by that is that the more ordinary your life, the more ordinary your communications are with everybody else, then the more ordinary your outcomes are going to be. If you want extreme outcomes, you also need to have extreme inputs. And if you have this very normal level of social cohesion and communication, and even if it's extraordinary or in terms of its effectiveness it's still that what you're aiming for with a lot of social like they're not going to read Stephen Covey or like the, the art of persuasion at this stage it's about just simply being able to be personable Um, you do need something that's going to set them apart Um, or else what you're doing is making someone who is really 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 good at being normal <laughs>
1: that was great
0: so, what's next? number you know five. Who you kind
1: of you know you know wait, you know who you kind of look like a little bit who? do you know do you know the show Ray donovan no uh do you know who Lee shriver is no no, oh man, you gotta look him up. he's amazing, you look okay. like him it's a it's 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 a compliment, yeah, check out that show are you hitting on ray me? donovan you don't have no not yet okay <laughs> not until after the show that okay we hang out cool. yeah, yeah yeah um no that would be just dis- that would be disrespectful to my wife that I would have hit on you in the past, but now that I have kids. Fine, that's fine. Um, I there was something you there was something you said. No, it slips me. Okay, so so love and attention, boundaries. Um, that we talked about the hostage situation. We did we did them all. Structure, discipline, follow through. I don't know if I did any of them good. You did but structure, discipline, follow through, love and attention boundaries and in love and attention that that's really a time also for you to work on yourself because because loving someone is a lot of it is just really staying still and creating space for them um boundaries um the uh, the hot, hostage situation and then and relationships. Two, relationships yeah yeah what's the I, I,
0: what's the number one mistake or the most common mistake that you see parents
1: making Putting bad shit into their kids, nutrition. bad food. Yep, nutrition. I can tell. I can tell right away. Like, um, so my kids are wild, but their wildness is focused. It's focused. They're throwing a fucking tennis ball at the wall over and over and over. Right? They grab each other by the head and throw each other down. They swing from the tree. When I put a tiniest bit of sugar into them, that wildness is almost like they start talking to themselves. They start doing like tapping. They get jittery. They start like um, instead of singing songs, they 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 babble. Even the slightest bit of sugar starts to interfere with the um, expression of the wildness. It makes it, um, yeah, it makes it jittery. It doesn't make it clean. It doesn't make it poignant. I know it almost sounds like it's an oxymoron to be controlled wildness, but it's a controlled wildness. It looks like chaos, but man, like he's meaning to throw that ball a hundred times at my wall until he tries to put a hole in it. Whereas if he wasn't doing that, he might also be screaming or throwing it up in the air. And you see that in classes. The most common thing is, is, you know, in group settings. So the, the kids who, who have poor diet will usually have poor focus. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. I think it's pretty obvious. How do you, what are the rules? What are the rules that you feed your kids on? So, so, th- so these are the things you want to try absolutely no sugar at all times. If they do have to eat sugar, you feed them stuff like a banana. That's the sugar you give them. You give them natural sugars. Your kids should be eating eggs, avocados, chicken, celery, carrots, cucumbers, spinach. Um, my wife gives our kids oatmeal um, we get, we give our kids peanut butter. I'm what sure about someone treats? who probably doesn't like that. No, no treats. But they like must a, have like something as treat. treats. Okay, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry. So a treat would be a banana. A treat would be, um, so here's one of the great advantages to having three kids. If I do give them something like a bar, like a Lara bar <clears throat> or an RX bar, I, we, I, I give them RX bars. I can, and, and there's, it's all just natural stuff in there, right? It's like date smashed with nuts. I can cut it into three pieces. So if it's a 200 calorie bar, you know, let's say, and I don't know how many grams of sugar, let's just say nine. Um, Then when I cut it into three pieces, now I have a, 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 a 60, 70, 66 calorie bar, right? With only three grams of sugar. And sometimes, you know, when I'm smart, I always give the bigger piece to Avi because he's the older boy. So, but I don't do treats like so Avi did, Got after two years of jiu three days a week, he got his gray belt. I bought him ice cream. I bought all the boys ice cream. They got a treat. Um, he skateboarded 100 days in a row, and I didn't even tell him I was going to do this, but on the, I was marking the days unbeknownst to him, and then on the 100th day, I took them to the point, and I said, today's your 100th day of skating. He goes, oh, awesome. I didn't know that. And I go, yeah, and you get ice cream. So I do do treats like that. I do do surprises. I want to reward him on the highest level for achievements that are like – that I believe are grandiose, that I deem grandiose, right? Um, But in the end, I'm not doing it because I'm weak. I'm not doing it because I think um, I'm soft or he'll love me more. I'm doing it because I think it will make him better. I think it makes him a better person knowing that there's a reward and that he's being recognized for his good deeds. You know? It's not, oh, I'm just going to get my kid ice cream because he was good today. Nah, like – I knew in advance. It's 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 Go a on. plan. It's a it's a plan. I want to I want to make I want to make them the best I think you and I joked about this a little bit. I want to make them the best mates possible. I want girls to like them and I want boys to like them and I want I want people to like them and I want them to be able to live up to that um love that they receive from the world.
0: We've talked a lot I about nerd, uh, garner nerd. We've talked a lot about um Sort of the physical side, you get your kids to train. They do sort of complex physical movements, jumping on bars and balance beams, and bits and pieces like that. One thing that we haven't really touched on is more the intellectual kind of cognitive, cerebral development. What have been some
1: of the realizations that you've got from that? So they so they do math and reading every single day from the age of three for anywhere between five and twenty minutes. Are you homeschooling? Um, Avi's supposed to be. Uh, Avi's supposed to be in school right now. It's supposed to be a, it's a homeschool program. Um, even without following the curriculum, he's above and beyond. Just because from such a young age at three, we've been doing this five to twenty minutes every single day. Um, I just played chess with him for the first time a couple days ago. I was inspired by something I saw on Instagram. Another a friend of mine who has three sons who was playing um, chess with his kids. Um I do sight words with them, I do spelling with them, and then he has to read for 20 minutes every day. And I'm like very like careful not to get injured because I push myself so hard all day with the kids. So like people are like, "Hey, why aren't you taking jiu-jitsu?" It's because I don't mind sitting on the sideline and watching, and then people will be like, "Well, you'll get a better outcome if you do it." And maybe they're right. I don't know that. But I have heard that a lot. That philosophy that you should be doing the activities with your kids. You should be doing soccer. You should be doing wrestling. You should be doing jujitsu. Is it not? I don't not
0: massively that that you just don't want your kid to be able to beat you up. Like there's going to become a point where Avi's going to be able to submit you.
1: If I just put out a limb, he's like all over me. Like if I just put my hand on his head, like and grab his head strong, he's all over me. He's going to be able to beat me up when he's eight. Um, But. but what I really, really like about all of this instruction is my son' sons are getting um, personal one-on-one interaction from professional trainers. They're learning their vocabulary. They're learning all their different personalities. They're learning all their different demeanors. I hear Avi come home from tennis and using words like you know volley and love and just you – know, and then he comes home from striking while I'm there. And, the, and he's like, hey, check out my feint. And then he's a look at my Perry. and he's like, his vocabulary. Or when he goes to dance, he's like, did you know plie means bend? And, you know, um, so I really, and I've said this before, and I really mean this first and foremost before any of the physical activity. I like just the idea of them getting professional training. I love the idea of them getting um, getting this interaction with other adults one on one it, it it he's really really manned up it's really made him like a fun social animal as a kid but he's still wild and crazy like a kid you know it hasn't taken any of the kid out of him so for now i don't know what the long term well the long term goal is i would love for him to learn everything there is to know about math take math to the far reaches of the you know Calculus, trigonometry, galaxy, and then English become a master of the the, the English language. Um, one of the largest vocabularies of anyone I've ever met was Greg Glassman, and it truly made him a magician. Because when you have an enormous vocabulary and you're comfortable juxtaposing any words together that you deem can be put together, um, you then conduct reality. That's another Dao saying: naming is the origin of all particular things. And so I would love for him to be able to diagram sentences and have a complete handle on english and then a complete handle on math and the rest i could give two shits about because hopefully he'll grow up to be someone like you chris who's like a reading machine and he can teach himself with yeah. the foundation i gave him very complimentary it, and I, man the yeah. i was
0: reading the navalmanac this morning and in that naval's prescription for anyone in the 21st century the two skills that they need to learn are maths and persuasion persuasion could be probably supplemented for english um and his justification for that is that maths forms the foundation for pretty much everything that we do um if you can do maths then you understand economics micro macro you understand accounting you understand how to do investments you understand the first principles that physics works on you understand how chemistry works and then from persuasion it is the other side of that it's everything else it's the me and you it's the um ability to convince other people and you said there that your ability to deploy language um is kind of directly proportional to your ability to get on in life and one of the reasons for that is that fluency and truthfulness are seen as the same thing this is how charlatans and con men get past because even though what they're saying isn't truthful The way that they're saying it is so convincing and compelling because they're able to have this beautiful flow and all of the words are precise and the cadence is correct and there's no ums and ahs, there's no stutters, there's no nothing else and the reason that they're able to get past people is because of their delivery. So when fluency is truthfulness by another name, having a good grasp of the English language is important and having the mathematics base. Man, you're going to have uh, some world beaters on your hands it's going to be fascinating watching them grow up and i i hope as well i think i speak for everyone who follows you on instagram um that we all are kind of now invested in your kids development and we want to see them do very well um which is you know that's a beautiful thing like the are likable i'm presuming that you're not just uploading the highlight reels and their dicks outside of it um but you know the
1: <laughs> we see we see the kids so we see the i, I am putting the real stuff on patreon by the way
0: okay but- um yeah man you know i want to i want to see them do well and i want to see you guys do well and i think that whatever it is that you're doing whatever we want to call this 21st century parenting enlightened parenting awakened parenting you know um whatever particular terminology we do i i think that it's like well 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 overdue and for me again as someone who currently doesn't have kids doesn't have anyone that i can have kids with um but wants them it 's inspiring and it's very um, it's very eye opening to see such a, a such a familiar structure that i'm used to the growth mindset, the um, structured programming, the understanding of discipline, the first principles thinking uh, the boundaries all of that sort of stuff that I utilize in other areas of my life to see that applied to what really is, for most of us, the greatest thing that we'll ever achieve, which is bringing other humans into this world and making them as good as we can. Um, and to see that laid out in front of me is really, really, really exciting. Between you and Mike and has you, I think I've got a, a, a couple of good, um, how do you say, role models to try and live up to. Thank you. That's about the nicest thing anyone said to me today. Well, it's only like... 10 10 a.m. your time how much nice stuff has people said for
1: that to be a competition i got so many i love you's this morning (laughs) give over hey that that math um you said you connected something else for me that math actually ties so closely with persuasion because people who have a firm grasp on math usually are very logical And they don't let emotion convolute their thinking, which is a huge problem in the United States right now. Huge problem. People are so emotional that they can't think straight. They are so passionate on calling two plus two five because they're so emotional about it. When like when you're good at math, I think you're also less likely to make those mistakes. There's logical uh, mistakes. I saw a hat today. James Lindsay, my
0: buddy who wrote, he did the dog park grievance studies thing where he conned journals into believing that he was like some feminist scholar. Um, and he, uh, he has a website, newdiscourses.com and he posted, he has merch on there. And this new merch that he just put up today is like a, a MAGA looking hat, like a red hat, white text. And it just says, make two plus two equal four again. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: it. It's sick, man. Hey, just now you went, and I thought I felt spit land on my lip. Is that weird? You no know, that's kind of hot though like like i thought you, like i thought you spit um, <laughs> oh,
0: on come on man no <laughs> the honestly the, the the gay rumors on the internet are absolutely abound because they keep on saying that i'm thirst trapping my way into big like to get big guests on the show and i'm like hang on a second if this was a girl no one would bat an eye like girls are perfectly allowed to thirst trap their way through life that's some feminine privilege for you right there like that's that's where us, us men are not permitted to do stuff look dude this I, i've absolutely adored today and I, I really want to try and get deeper into the weeds about this and and maybe even talk about sort of the physical pursuits and how you're piecing those together. But I think we can probably afford to leave it there for now. Um, I'm really fortunate to have met you, man. I really, uh, again, to the people for whom... They need another example of why you should just DM people and not be fearful of it. I just reached out to you as a random DM because I saw I've been watching your stuff for ages and mercifully you got back to me. And now we have this and we talk, you know, a couple of times a week. Like, just reach out to the people that you think are cool. Like if you reach out to them, maybe you'll make a new friend, and maybe you'll have another cool person in your life. So that's well, one you thing. Well,
1: you're dating down. You're dating down a bit, Chris. That's no by, such by DMing thing.
0: Me. Where <laughs> where should people go? Where should people go? Let's say that there's some some parents who really want to kind of sink their teeth into what it is that you do. Where should they head?
1: I so I have two Instagram accounts. I don't know why, but I have at Three Plain Brothers and at Sevon Matosian. I publish every single day. You're absolutely right. I try to answer all of my DMs. You can also go to com, and you can go to the Patreon account and and, um, most everything on there is free. But if you subscribe, I do voiceovers on the videos and I'll show you some like – like I might show Avi catch 12 consecutive balls. But then on the Patreon account, you see it took me 300 tries to get that (laughs) video. (laughs) uh, But I also go into the deeper stuff that we talked about in the beginning and I try to share with people, hey, this is why I did this. This is why I didn't um yell at him here, or this is why I I did yell at him here, and and I I go into detail. So those are all the places: Instagram, Patreon. But if you just pick one place, they'll all end up. You'll see the whole Three Plane Brothers world. And thank you to everyone, and especially yourself, for recognizing um the contribution because it's um and at the end of the day, I just want to add value to people's lives. You're doing it, man. You really, really are. Are, are we? Is it a sort of a genuine con
0: consideration that you've got? To write something to try and formalize this structure down?
1: Um, Yeah. um, I've outlined it like three or four times. It's just really – it's like I have this motorcycle sitting in my driveway. I know we're wrapping this up. I have this motorcycle sitting in my driveway for a year that I want to sell. But I had to tell my wife, you must take the kids away from me because I'm like a crack addict. I'm like so I can spend 10 minutes online getting this motorcycle online because if I I don't know when I would write a book because I'm just so obsessed in, with just being with the kids. Do you know what so, I do you know what I'd what I'd, I'd do if I was you um and this is yes, this is the easiest way that I know of
0: for anyone who has an idea in their mind that they want to structure formalize and structure but doesn't have the time to do it I would just box off a day I would get a buddy that you know really well that understands what you're talking about, I would get him behind the camera. I'd set it up in either a studio, rent out of space or do it in your house. And I would just fill yourself full of caffeine and speak to camera for like 10 hours. And then you're going to have a 10 hour webinar, big chunk of work that you can put on Teachable or Kajabi. And you can have as long as you'll need to do a little bit of prep maybe a couple of days prep but today what we've done today if you flesh that out and fuck man you can make you would make so much money and have such an impact with that overnight um so i'm one for one and if you want to see this uploaded the three playing brothers um protocol for how to raise your kids to be superhumans, comment below and uh, maybe we'll be able to get that done by the end of the
1: year Thank you, Chris.
0: Brother, thank you so much for your time. I'll catch you next time.
1: Bye.